What actually is programmatic and how does one get it in a house? Are advertising agencies in danger of extinction? And why are ferrets just so damn sneaky? Find out as we head back to Vienna for the Digital Distillery. And welcome to episode two of the Digital Distillery podcast. I'm your host, Phil McDowell, and this is the show where we break down all the key topics in the digital media and marketing landscape that are featured at these exclusive events hosted by show heroes around Europe. If you weren't there with us, last episode saw us packing our bags, boarding the train, and hitting the beautiful city of Vienna for the return of the Digital Distillery event. And if you did listen to the last episode, you already got a bit of an introduction to the event. And if you didn't, I recommend you go back and see exactly how we got here. But what we didn't yet talk about is how the digital distillery came into being in the first place. <laughs> Meet Dennis Kirschner. Hi, my name is Dennis, CMO and co-founder of Show Heroes. Started the company together with Ilhan and Mario. Now, when Dennis, Ilhan and Mario started Show Heroes back in 2016, they found themselves frustrated by the industry's approach to events and the focus on shameless self-promotion at the expense of genuine insight. We felt that, you know, the intent to make a profit out of a conference or any type of event whatsoever was sometimes eating into the format's quality. They wanted to create something that allowed for the robust discussion and sharing of insight about the crucial topics and issues that the modern digital media industry is facing today. The way I like to describe it, the benchmark that we set for ourselves was to aim for a ideally non-existent gap between speakers and attendees. And so the digital distillery was born and began its European travels. I think the first one was in 2018 in Berlin, a uh, very beautiful location near Alexanderplatz. That was sort of the test run in our home turf, um, not too far from the office. Starting to feel out the topics that were most important to the industry. The first episode or the first volume of this event series that we did back in Berlin, as I mentioned before, was called The Video Issue. That worked very well and then we went on to cover programmatic, for example. Sorry? What was that, Dennis? Uh, programmatic. Programmatic. Programmatic, for example. Um... Programmatic. The crux of today's episode and the word buzzing in the ears of advertising agencies and marketing professionals worldwide. In order to get there, let me take you back to our event in Vienna, where last time we heard from keynote speaker Jürgen Schmidt. My name is Jürgen. About the cookie-less future. And after he left the stage, he was able to settle in and enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, this is a great event, I think. It's the second event for me, and I think it's very important for the whole industry to get back into real life, to meet each other, and to have great discussions about future technologies. After a quick break and some nibblies, have a beer together in the afternoon, we were back to it. Next on the chopping block was Utku Gundes. Hallo und herzlich willkommen von mir. Ich bin die Utku. Ich bin bei Refurbed. Senior Media Consultant from a Vienna-based startup called Refurbed. Wir sind ein Marktplatz für vollständig erneuerte Produkte. Wir haben Elektronikprodukte, aber auch zum Beispiel Fashion-Items. So, Refurbed runs an online marketplace selling renewed secondhand electronics and other consumer items. They have the aim of fundamentally changing the way that we consume these types of products. They do this by providing a sustainable but still secure and reliable alternative to always buying new, while also providing benefits that you only get from a new product, like a warranty, for example. 
What's special about this particular startup is that even when they were relatively small and just getting going, they were, and still are, strong proponents of something called in-housing, particularly when it comes to their programmatic buying activities. We are a very strong in-housing supporter and have that also very strongly. So, before we get into programmatic itself, let's talk about exactly what in-housing is. Why is it starting to grow in popularity, and just what makes it an advertising agency's nightmare? In-housing itself is a pretty straightforward concept, and it basically refers to an organization acquiring and investing in technologies and knowledge for certain processes that would traditionally be outsourced to a third party, like an advertising agency. In digital marketing, this can consist of developing or taking ownership of certain technologies, data, content production, and of course, the big one, ad space buying. According to the International Advertising Bureau of Europe, IAB for short, this growing trend is seeing 54% of European advertisers looking at in-housing programmatic buying this year alone, and 43% more are considering it for the near future. This is obviously a shake-up at best and a nightmare at worst for external agencies who've traditionally been billing their clients for this kind of work. Let's come back to the impact of this in a bit because the ears of the big digital elephant in the room are itching. And we need to have a bit of a talk about the 45.36 kilogram gorilla programmatic. Uh please forgive all the zoological references. I may have been having a bit of an Attenborough binge recently. Programmatic. What it essentially boils down to is this. You as a company have a product to sell. You have particular types of customers in mind who think you might be interested in said product. So, you need to get your product in front of the eyes of that customer. In the analog world, for example, this could be on a billboard or in a newspaper. This ad space can be rented by you for a certain amount of money dictated by whoever owns the space or it might, say, go to the highest bidder. And so in order to inform your decision about how much you're willing to pay, you can collect some available data. With a billboard, you might know how many cars on average drive past every day, or in a newspaper, you can find out how many copies are generally sold. What you don't know, however, is who is driving past or buying that newspaper and what sort of things they're actually interested in. To be fair with a newspaper or magazine, you can narrow this down a little based on the target audience of that publication. But it's pretty rudimentary. But what if you could access a wealth of information on the person behind the individual seeing your product? Things like their general interests, their age and gender, purchasing behavior, how much disposable income they might have, all this stuff we discussed last time when talking about third-party cookies. So this is where programmatic comes into play. Now, I can't get as in-depth here as Amanda has in 19 full episodes on the topic in her show Programmanda, but happily for us, I can give you a pretty good introduction straight from the horse's mouth. Sorry. I'm going to stop now. Um just a question before um because the the connection was just not the best. Meet Amanda. Hi, I'm Amanda and I'm global head of programmatic consultancy here at the show heroes group. Now, when Amanda started out, she jumped around a few disciplines from sales to ad operations and finance. before finally landing on programmatic. Uh I haven't planned it because there's no university or um any 
anywhere like a university studies or like in school that I had touch points to programmatic. So it was more like from experience and from learning and seeing what's in the market, what's new. So I kind of randomly stepped into this business. Programmatic buying is when you take ad space buying and instead of finding the available space, negotiating terms and bidding on the price manually, you use software to automate huge chunks of the process. And all this faster than your brother's pet python can bite you twice before you even realise what's happened. This is a true story where my little brother's pet python Carlos decided one day that yours truly was the only person in the world he didn't like the look of enough to ever bite. Twice. Let's start with what makes it similar to like um, the usual way of buying and selling ad spaces. Like for example, if you want to bake a cake, like the ingredients, um, and you want to buy it like from different um, people from different markets because you need apples, you need flour, you need sugar, you need to get that from the different suppliers, and you have that to do that very manual. So you have to actually go outside, take your phone call, um, ask for the prices. And then the programmatic way, there's this open wide market accessible with the internet. And I want to fill my virtual basket and just click on different things in my dashboard, what looks nice in order to bake my cake. And meanwhile, I'm doing that. I can just see, okay, what are the prices? What is the competition? How, what can I do in order to like scale my cake or campaign? And you can put a layer of targeting on top, which target group you want to access with your cake, um, if you sell your cake or yeah, if you're running your campaigns. So you can see this is kind of a big deal. Think of, say, going off Amanda's market analogy, the difference between going shopping to a single place with set and limited options and prices versus going somewhere like Amazon or eBay where the whole range is visible to you. All you have to do is feed your programmatic solution information about your campaign, audience and key performance indicators and the algorithm does all the hard work. When someone clicks on a web page and before it even loads, mind you, the program will analyse the content of that page who clicked on it, and exactly how much their interests and profile align with your product. Or in other words, how valuable are their specific eyes to you? It will then enter into a computerized auction and bid on your behalf for that ad space on the website against all of the other programmatic robots. And it will do this in a blink of an eye. In fact, four times faster than a blink of an eye at around 100 milliseconds. In addition to launching your campaign, doing your bidding, <clears throat> and placing your ad or video in front of the potential customer will also monitor your ad spend, click rate, and general success of your campaign and suggest potential areas for improvement. It's already completely transforming the face of the media industry. According to the IAB in a study published in 2019, nearly half of advertisers were already using fully automated trading of advertising space and, to top it off, around 89% of advertisers using programmatic were doing so in-house. Seemingly another nail in the coffin for media agencies. Or is it? We'll come back to that. Now, apart from the blistering speed and labour-saving implications that automating these processes suggest, the key benefit of this whole game is that it ensures that media budgets are being used intelligently and as effectively as humanly, well, inhumanly possible. 
And the sheer amount of money being invested in programmatic and its continued exponential growth speaks volumes. In the US, spending in 2020 topped 75 billion US dollars and is predicted to soar to over 170 billion by 2024, by then accounting for 91% of total digital advertising expenditure. On this side of the pond, in Germany, France and the UK, while the dollar figures are currently a lot lower, the growth trend is going exactly the same way, with predicted spendings between 2019 and 2023 doubling in the UK and tripling in Germany. Quite simply put, the system works. It does away with the traditional hit or miss campaign design and is incredibly efficient in terms of both time and resources. Of course, if you want to use programmatic effectively, it's not just a matter of pushing a button. As smart as it is, like all algorithms, it can be hilariously dim if its parameters are not set up optimally. If you want to get the best out of it, there are a few key things you need to put the old-fashioned manual work into. The first is that you really need to know your marketplace. If you don't know the kind of people on the other side of the screen whom you want to attract, you just won't get very far. The second is that you need to set clear goals for your campaign. These should be specific, measurable and attainable. And after all, you need to have clear targets in mind if you want to hit them. Thirdly, you need to keep a human touch. Just because programmatic is based on algorithms and bots, it doesn't mean that it can or should be completely devoid of humanity. As we said before, like it's not just programmatic and everything is like a technical button which you press and everything is working. You need human expertise there. And this is not something um, what can be installed right away. So this takes time and this needs like a way of working. Depending on the particular service you use, you'll have more or less options to manually manage certain parts of the activities where it makes sense to do so for your campaign. The robots will take care of all the bidding and whatnot, but you still need to allocate skilled marketers to plan, control and optimise your buying and find the perfect balance between human and machine. Fourth is to protect your brand from algorithm logic. As we all know from science fiction and more immediately from things like YouTube, you can run into problems if you give an algorithm free reign to reach its ultimate logical conclusion. Take YouTube for example. We've all unfortunately experienced that one time you click on some bizarre clip out of morbid curiosity only to find yourself being led down a rabbit hole of more and more extremeness. In programmatic, this means that unless you're careful, your ads could be showing up on sites that promote things that you really don't want your product associated with. Fake news, for example, like coronavirus conspiracy theories, sites proving that the earth is flat, or Elvis's personal blog. Not really a great place for your ads to be if you want to maintain credibility in your industry. Number five is to watch out for programmatic ad fraud. Now, this is a big one. Basically, it's a subset of standard ad fraud where someone can manipulate the system somehow and take advantage of your advertising for their own financial gain. These sneaky little ferrets, to be clear, no offence meant to ferrets, by the way, it's just that their name is literally derived from a Latin word meaning little thief, so I figured it fits, have a range of angles which trick the system, including website spoofing, ad stacking, pixel stuffing, click fraud. Okay, I'm starting to feel the need for a dedicated episode on this one. It's pretty big and really interesting. The point is here that programmatic ad fraud is a risk that needs to be taken seriously and protected against. There are some manual steps you can take, as well as using an ad fraud protection solution to stay safe. 
And if you want to look into this further, I'll put some links in the show notes. Another often overlooked aspect for the organizations is cost structure assessment. Shifting to in-housing means this needs to be weighed up all over again. Even though switching to programmatic itself does generally mean that, due to the inherent efficiency of buying, costs are significantly reduced, organizations still have to consider the costs of hiring new staff, training, investing in new tools and platforms, and as such, it's hugely important to carry out another cost-benefit analysis extensively. So, this is all starting to look like another cat out of the bag for the advertising agencies. Nadia, I did it again. Anyway, first their potential loss of effectiveness once the cookie crumbles, and now even smaller organisations beginning to go in-house and invest in their own programmatic buying. Will programmatic in-housing send agencies the way of the dodo? Well, the agencies themselves, at least, wouldn't quite agree. Was, also, du machst richtig das Line-Item. Genau. Du hast Adform oder GMP oder was. Genau. Und du machst richtig Line-Item, Target Group, kümmerst ja. dich um die Daten und mach, machst das so. Ja. They are generally happy to admit that the landscape is changing, but will say that they'll remain as relevant and necessary as ever. Du, es ist dein Job, als, als, als Reverbed, dich darum zu kümmern, wo, was ist meine Plattform, ja, was mache ich, Vorhin, was wir von den Daten gelernt haben, wie stelle ich mich strategisch auf mhm. ja, und lass doch das depperte Line-Item buchen und die blöden Anrufe mit den lieben Partnern hier, ja, überlass doch lieber mir, ja, äh, äh, weil ich das muss ich ja eh fünfmal machen schon ja, und mach doch lieber das Strategische. Ich finde deine Arbeitszeit, Entschuldigung, ich muss jetzt hier ein bisschen gegen, ja, wir können das mhm. nachher ja, bei, ja, bei, bei essen, ja. The main argument is that they'll still provide immense value because they deeply understand how marketing technology works and are mindful of clients' needs, even the things that clients themselves aren't aware of. They say that they can ensure that all the tech platforms and marketing tools are used as efficiently as possible and that they simply have the advantage of scale. They're already performing these similar roles for multiple clients and therefore have better insight into the whole thing. Agencies have global networks, global communications with the big um, programmatic platforms. It's not about like just putting another unit into the company, but you really need to define, okay, what do we actually want to cover with that? Because um, the agencies are doing way more than just planning, delivering campaigns. They're also analyzing all the data. They are trying to improve the setups for the next campaigns. They are negotiating contracts with different partners and they have the expertise. So I think for agencies, it's important to be in the consulting part for the advertisers and to also strengthen this consultancy between the different partners, because with that, they will have the expertise about how programmatic is working with them. And this is something you cannot easily just outsource somewhere or like in-house. You see, taking your entire media business into your own hands is not as easy as you may think. This is because companies usually lack the suitable data infrastructures and the necessary expertise to do everything successfully. The main challenges in this respect are as follows. Firstly, programmatic advertising simply requires a high level of professional management. And trying to switch this over entirely to be managed single-handedly requires an extensive transformation with data management presenting the main challenge. The data management platforms, such as Oracle or MySQL, pull together all the relevant touch points and customer relationship management data and allocate them to matching IDs. 
The tricky thing in-house is that, all too often, company data is actually stored in a company's individual departments, and this standard decentralized approach makes it too difficult to successfully utilize said data efficiently. Sound complicated? Well, it kind of is, and this is one of the key disciplines in which agencies can still show their worth. The second key reason ad agencies are still relevant comes down to all the small and complex details surrounding programmatic buying. While switching to in-house seems to drastically simplify the ad buying process, what most organisations find is, if they haven't put the extensive work in to build up a wide range of expertise, they're presented with a whole new array of challenges. Things like fee structures and consent management, right through to ad verification, all have to be considered and then deftly handled. And this simply takes experience and knowledge. Experience and knowledge traditionally held by the ad agencies. So that brings us to the big question. Is all this work and transformation worth it for organisations big and small to go in-house with things like programmatic? And are advertising agencies going to fade into irrelevance? Yes, but it depends. And no, probably not, if. You see, as always, big changes in thinking and processes require agility, flexibility and open-mindedness. A willingness to test things and push the boundaries. To know what you know, know what you need to know, and know what you don't think you'll ever know and need to call in the experts for. When to fill these knowledge gaps with external help versus when to invest yourself into acquiring the necessary skills. Organisations and advertising agencies alike are going to need to get comfortable with shifting their perspective on their own function, abilities and purpose, and put the work, money and research in if they want to ride this technology-driven rhinoceros to a new horizon. That's it. Part 2 of the Digital Distillery from Vienna and the end of the episode. A big thank you today to Dennis Kirshner for talking to me about the origins of the Digital Distillery as well as the tantalising piece of information that my favourite German craft beer makers are bringing us custom branded IPAs to one of our upcoming events. Thanks to Amanda Kors for her thoughtful insight into some of the inner workings of Programmatic and you can of course catch her on the new season of the Programmander show, Women in AdTech. So for the Programmander show, um, we are planning to give the stage and the mic more to the women in our industry to encourage them to be heard about their opinion. So it's going to be exciting. I already made a list of lots of very, very interesting and inspiring women. And I'm very much looking forward to finally kick that out. Thank you to Show Heroes for sending me all over Europe to these great events. In the next 12 months, we'll be heading to Paris, Madrid, London, just to name a few, and a huge thanks to our producer Nadia for not making me edit out all of the bad jokes and musings from the show. This episode brought to you by The Digital Distillery. It's written, co-produced, and engineered by me, Phil McDowell, also co-produced by Nadia Koski, and led by Dennis Kirshner and Stephanie Leonardi. For more depth and insight into all sorts of other topics related to digital media, you can check out our other shows by searching The Digital Distillery and heading to the podcast tab on the website. For more info on the topics discussed and references to the various articles that have helped inform this episode, you can follow the links in the show notes. And if you want to help others find us, tell a friend and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to get in touch with us at The Digital Distillery about anything from discussion points, being a guest on the show, corrections, or info on how you can be involved in one of these events, you can email the show at podcast at the-digital-distillery.com or use the contact section of the website. 
You can catch us right here next time as we dig into the topic of the importance of video in digital media and what makes a successful video-driven campaign.